Well, I love Christmas. Uh, I could watch that video a hundred times. I'm so excited about what God has done through our church in the last year as we wrap up 2017. And I just got to say that as we uh, kick off the, the new year on January 7th, we're going to be rolling out some fresh visions. So you're all welcome to come back January 7th uh, to our brand new series that we start after the Christmas break. But before we get past Christmas, I got to say I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. It's my favorite time of the year. Um, ironically, it's directly followed by my worst uh, season of the year, that cold, dark, gray Ohio skies with like no presents or no tree. It's just cold, and you're just sad and depressed. Um, but this is my favorite season, and uh, I'm excited about it. I love the family, the trees, the the lights, the decoration, the, the Christmas movies, the food, the food, the food, and uh, I get excited about all of it, but the truth is that every, every year I look forward to a Christmas, a perfect Christmas, and it never quite happens the way I want it to. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're, maybe you're watching a Christmas movie on the couch with the kids, and, and uh, you want to be all in, but there's stuff going on at work, and you're kind of bothered by it. Maybe there's a relational strain while you're opening presents, and you know, like, when you get together with family, there's never any heartache involved in that, you know, like maybe you're opening presents and there's a little passive aggressive going across the living room right over the, the kids flying to the radar. They have no idea, but man, there's some stuff going on in the room, you know, and it's never quite what you want. In fact, I think maybe the reason that this is so accentuated in our culture is because we live in this social media age where you get to watch everyone's highlight reel. And you're like sitting in your living room and you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing everyone's perfectly decorated, perfectly lit living room and all this kind of stuff. And, and all you know is that your Christmas tree just fell on your three-year-old and scratch that, the, the Christmas tree fell on my three-year-old. And, uh, and you're wondering, true story, uh, what exactly is this all about? I thought it was supposed to be a perfect Christmas season, but it's it's never quite that way. I'm a big fan of, of actually wanting to put stuff on social media that no one does. Uh, like, put, you know, those moments where your kids are crying. Like, take this for example. This is my kids. This is real life, guys. Why can't we post more of this? Come on. Like, I know some of you moms would be like, listen, I know that your kids were fighting and that you told them you're going to give them all cookies if they smiled for the picture. And then you get this nice, take this other one, for example. I mean, maybe, I've got three boys. So this is a common one in my house. Just a bag of frozen peas on the head. Just, you know, this is just real life. Real life, you know, and in the middle of the Christmas season, I don't know about you, but real life tends to creep up and you can take that off the screen. It's a little embarrassing for me and my family, but, but real life happens. What we've been talking about the last couple of weeks as we gear up for Christmas is, is how the Christmas story happened right in the middle of one of the worst seasons for Mary and Joseph. I mean, you got to think about it. From, from times past, you have this story of Adam and Eve, and, and there was a mistake that turned into a, a fracture between our relationship with God. And then God is constantly reaching out, constantly saying, I love you and I want to have a relationship with you. And, and, and on the basis of obedience, we fail every time. You see that in the Old Testament. Every time there's these people that are trying to say, I'll be perfect. I will fulfill the law. I will do what it takes to have you love me again, God. But you probably know just like I do. That's just hard to do. It's hard to live a perfect life. It's hard to live a life in full obedience so then Jesus came, 
in the middle of a season of heartache for Mary and Joseph. Jesus came in the middle of a period of time where God was silent. It says for 400 years before Jesus came as a baby that God had, had said nothing. For years, he'd been rolling out messages through the prophets, at the very least saying, come back to me, or at the very least saying, go this direction, or I'm going to protect you. I'll be with you if you just do these things. But God had been silent for 400 years, and then God broke that silence with a baby's cry in the middle of a manger. And that happened in the middle of Mary and Joseph's rough situation. We talked a couple weeks ago about how Joseph, Joseph is a guy who apparently had no reservations at a hotel for his pregnant wife. Now, moms, how big of a doghouse does a guy have to sleep in to like, how long does he have to sleep in that doghouse for not like, you know, and, and the, the story goes in, in Luke chapter 2 that she gave birth to this baby. I mean, listen, the whole Old Testament's leading up to this moment, and in one verse it says, and the baby was born in a manger. And manger is such a cute little Christmas word for a pig trough, right? Like, some of you are like, listen, this hospital room is not up to my standards. Pig trough, right? Like, this is as dirty as dirty gets, this is as unfortunate as unfortunate gets. And in the middle of it, Mary was able to handle it. Mary was able to handle it. Joseph, sure, there was probably some like, Listen, we're, after this is all over, we're going to talk. You and I, we're going to talk. You're going to plan in the future about these babies that are being born. Call the innkeeper. But he, um, they, they both were kind of in the middle of a, of a tough situation. Imagine Mary having to explain to her soon-to-be husband and her family and her friends that, no, I, this, is, this, is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. I've been impregnated by, by God. Imagine trying to tell this story. Imagine the disbelief on your friends' and family's faces. Why was Mary able to handle it? We go all the way back to, to the book of Luke chapter 1. The verses are going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. And in 26 to 33, the story goes this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed or engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, like we probably would too. She's troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, this is going to wrap it up. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to you, give to him, excuse me, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I think the thing about Joseph, the thing about Mary, the thing about the shepherds, the thing about the wise men, is that they all needed kind of a personal experience with God. That's, that's what changes this story for me. It's not, it's not, I mean, listen, we can romanticize this story. Oh, a baby was born and, and all the celebration. that We get distracted by all the decorations and all that. we got to remember, this was a Messiah born of this, this woman, Mary. And what was special about Mary? What was, what was important about Mary? What was important about Joseph? Why them? How many times do you think Mary said, why me? Why me? And I'm sure some of you probably asked that question. To. Whatever it is that you're walking through in this life, whatever it is that, 
that has kind of taken a little bit of that joy away from Christmas. Whether it's, you know, uncertainty about what 2018 is going to hold because of job stuff or money stuff or family stuff. Why me? Why am I walking through this? If we were all to walk up on the stage and share a little bit about what we were going through, I'm sure we would all say something along the lines of, I didn't expect this. 2017 dealt me a rough hand. I have friends that have walked through the hardest issues of their whole life. I have friends walking through marital struggles. I have friends that have lost purpose in this life. I have friends that have lost faith in this life. I have friends that are walking through financial struggles and they literally don't know where their next meal is going to come from. I have friends, and you do too. In fact, if we were all to share our story, some of us would say, yeah, like I'm, I'm in that boat right now. I'm in that boat because I'm kind of struggling with this one area of my life, whatever it is. And Mary was no different. The thing that's true about you is the same thing that was true about her, is these two things that the angel said. The angel said, you are highly favored, and God is with you. When we see the word Emmanuel, which means God with us, our, our hearts ought to leap out of our chests in joy. Because God came to dwell with us. Those of us who know when we look in the mirror, we don't deserve God's grace. Right? We would all be able to tell those stories too. The ways that we've said no thanks to God. The way that we've turned our back on him. Listen, these people weren't perfect either. None of us are perfect. There's no one in, in humanity past that's been perfect except for Jesus Christ. But the truth is that Jesus Christ, out of his perfection, gave us perfect love in the fact that he came down to live with us and to offer us salvation. So the two things that were true about Mary are true about you. That God is with you and that God is for you. And here's why I know that. Because when I read the Bible, and I, listen, I, when I read the Bible, it's, it's Genesis to Revelation, that's the story. But since we're talking about this moment in history where Jesus was born, this is, this is maybe the most important part of that story. He looks at Mary and he says, God is with you and God is for you. Now, is that true of you today? I want to say yes. Here it's true because in uh, John 3.16, let's just go ahead and call it the, the most famous verse in the Bible, 16 and 17 say it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the message of Christmas. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that message is on the table today for all of us. The truth is that none of us are perfect. None of us own up. None of us are worthy to be saved by Jesus. The only reason Jesus came as a baby to one day grow up and to take the sins of the world on the cross was because he loved us, not because we did anything to earn it, not because we did anything to deserve it. So if you're in this room today and you're lacking that fulfillment of peace, knowing that Jesus has saved you, I want to invite you today. Today is the day. Today may be the best day of all year to make the decision to surrender your life. Because what was different about Mary than what's different about you? Nothing. The truth is that she was chosen to walk through something. You guys are being chosen to walk through something. And you are given the gift of Emmanuel, God with you. So here's what I want to challenge you with today. Some of you 
Maybe today's the day that you need to step across the line of faith and become someone who follows Jesus, who leaves everything behind and says, Jesus is the only one I want. Jesus is the reason for this season. Jesus is the reason for my life. Jesus is the author and perfection of my faith. Some of you want to want to do that, but some of you, I imagine, are probably not ready. And so here's what I want to, I want to offer maybe a Christmas dare. If I can just offer a Christmas dare, here's what I want to suggest. Because I remember when I was a teenager, I had grown up in church all my life. Anyone else grew up in church? Like you were born and you were like all of a sudden just in church, like you were born in the baptismal, maybe not, okay. Um, but you were born, I, I grew up in church, but it got real for me, my relationship with God. Not my relationship with a pastor or with God or with church or with uh, even a Bible. My relationship with a living God who loves me, like who knows my struggles, who knows my sins, all I know is a teenager in my bedroom hearing all these, like 16 different versions of the Christmas story and years and years and years of going to church. As a 16-year-old, I was in my bedroom, and I just called out to God, and I said, listen, if you're real, I need you. And it wasn't eloquent. I was a teenager. How eloquent could it be? I said, I need you. I've got very real prayer requests. And if you're real, I, I've had pastors tell me that you're real but I need you to show up in my life. Like, I want a relationship with you. And what was, what was true about Mary is that she had like an encounter with God. What's true about the people in the Bible? Listen, look in the Bible. Sometimes we put these people up on a pedestal like they were special. Listen, they had it jacked up just like we did. Show me a picture of a healthy marriage in the Bible. I'll wait. Was it Abraham? Oh, no, no, like he went and had a kid with some other women like to fulfill God's plan, and he thought that was good. Nope. Was it Adam and Eve? Adam said, yeah, uh, this woman that you gave me gave me an apple. What's the deal? You know, show me a picture of a healthy marriage. Some of you are starting to feel like, okay, I'm starting to feel better about my, even the people in the Bible couldn't get it right. Yeah. But what made them different? What I want to challenge you with today is that they had a personal, like a personal encounter with God. I don't mean right here in this moment. Maybe, maybe you're going to have an encounter with God in this moment, and that's awesome. But I mean you in your bedroom alone, crying out to God and saying, listen, I don't know, but I'm just crying out. I dare you, because here's what I know. God is real. And when I cried out, God answered. And I may seem crazy <laughs> to some of you, and listen, I get it. But the truth is that what I know about God is that he loves me and he loves you. And there's nothing special about me for him to love me. I have turned my back on God just as much or more than you have. But that's not why Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us because he's good. And so would you please just take a moment today to consider surrendering to Jesus, to give him everything. And that would be the best decision you could make this Christmas. We pray for you. God, we, we, are, we come from all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different family structures, all kinds of different faith, families. And God, I just want to ask you, I, I just put up a Christmas dare, and so we need you to be real. And we know that you will be, because I know in my own story, that you've been real to me, that you've been faithful, that your word never returns void, that you are a promise maker and you are a promise keeper. 
And the story of Christmas is not just about a baby, but about the truth that you've come to save us. Lord, I pray that we would have the opportunity to make the right decision to surrender to you today. It's in your name I pray. Amen.